Thank you so much for inviting us into your home for today's online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony, such an honor to be with you today. As we dive into this series, Close Encounters, why don't you do a couple of things? Maybe text a friend and invite them to watch with you today. And you can go to your YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone, go to the menu, hit events, type in North Park Church, and all of today's scriptures and notes are gonna be right there for you. We love you guys, we're so glad to be with you today. I was watching one of my favorite TV shows this past week and I heard a story that I was very familiar with and I want to share it with you. There's a guy who's walking down the street and he falls into a hole and the hole is so steep that he can't get out of it. And so um, a doctor passes by and he yells for help. And so the doctor writes a prescription on a piece of paper, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes by and the man yells from the hole, I need help. And the priest looks down in the hole. He writes out a prayer on a piece of paper and he throws it in the hole and he keeps going. Our guy's still in the hole, but as a person's coming by that happens to be a friend, he yells out, hey, Joe, I'm down here. It's me. Can you help me out? And the friend looks down in the hole and jumps down in the hole with his friend. And the guy who was stuck in the hole looks at his friend and says, what are you doing? Now we're both stuck. And he said, yeah, but here's the thing. I've been here before and I know how to get out. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for some people in my life who have been here before and they know how to get out. Last week, we talked about how important it was to lean on people in our life and to be someone that others can lean on. Because the reality is, many of us, we've been here before and we know how to get out. Like we have personal experience with these moments of our life and now we can use these personal experiences to help others experience their healing and their deliverance. In other words, we can be the bridge to help someone find their miracle. You get to be that bridge. I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. It says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now Jesus, our Savior, witnessed this firsthand in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And today that's where we're going to look. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with us to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's just dive in, then we're going to dig through this and find some messages behind these miracles. And here's the first thing. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was home. Now, Jesus had begun to teach and, and, and perform miracles. He was doing public ministry and news began to spread like wildfire. And soon everywhere Jesus went, crowds would follow him. 
In fact, just a few verses before in Mark chapter 1 verse 28, it says that after this dramatic healing of a demon-possessed man, that immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. And at this point, Jesus was attracting crowds everywhere he went. Now, verse 2 says, Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. So just imagine in your mind, the high deaf theater of your mind, Jesus is in this house and he's surrounded by people. And he's not only talking to the people that are in the house, but there's people standing in the doorway and at the windows and they just surrounded the house and they were listening in to what Jesus was saying to them. Now, we don't really know whose house this is. Now, some people, Bible scholars, whoever those people may be, say maybe it was Peter's home, but we really aren't sure. But in Jewish custom, uninvited guests could come in and stand outside to hear a visiting rabbi. So that's what was happening here. Verse 3 says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And so you've got a, a group of five people, friends, and there's someone who has a need who can't get to Jesus by himself. And so four people are physically carrying him on a mat, trying their best to get him to Jesus. But they couldn't. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Every way they would try to get to Jesus, they couldn't get through the door. They didn't get there early enough. They didn't stand in line. They, they just couldn't get into the house. And so instead of just giving up and going home, they got really creative. Look what happens next. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Such a cool story. I love the determination, the diligence of these friends. They loved this guy and they wanted to see his miracle come to fruition. And so at that time period, many of the homes had staircases that would lead up to the house or to the roof and the roofs were flat. And so these men were able to get on top of this roof made of, of grass and clay and probably tiles. And so they dug a hole through all of that and they lowered him down with fishing ropes. Can you just imagine Jesus standing in the middle of this room teaching and all of a sudden you just hear this noise above you and you see things falling down around you as they dug this hole and then here comes this man just being lowered down in the middle of this worship experience that they had created and i can just see the look on jesus's face i'm sure he's just rocked back just kind of smiling waiting for this guy to come down i love what one writer said about this encounter this proved the determination and faith of the friends of this paralytic man. They counted on Jesus healing their friend because it would be a lot harder to bring him back up through the roof than lowering down. They counted on him walking out of that room. I love that. They probably had no intention of all of having to pull him back up. They believed that they could get him to Jesus. He would walk out that door in his own strength. Verse 5 says this, Seeing their faith, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, 
My child, your sins are forgiven. Now let's look at just that one passage, that one verse. Seeing their faith. Notice he didn't say seeing his faith or seeing the paralyzed man's faith. Mm -mm. He's seeing their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw these four men struggling with these ropes tied to the corner of this stretcher. And he looked at them and he saw their faith. Not just the man who was being lowered, but their faith. The way that they were bringing this friend to Jesus. Their faith was visible. It could be seen. Their bold, determined action to bring their friend to Jesus proved that they had real faith. So I got to ask, how bold, how determined, how diligent are you in the prayers that you are praying for the people that you love and care about? See, many of us, we see the story and we see ourselves in the character of the paralyzed man, right? But let's be honest, more times than not, we have the potential of being one of those friends who's determined, bold, and diligent about getting somebody else to Jesus. We can be the bridge to someone else receiving their miracle. But seeing their faith, Jesus replied, My child, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but as I put myself in that story, I'm sure I would want to yell out, whoa, 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 you don't understand. That's not why we're lowering him down. That's, that's not why he's here. It's not his sins that we're struggling with here. It's, it's his legs. Like, we didn't ask for his sins to be forgiven. We're lowering him down so that he can walk out of here. We need you to, to fix his legs. Yet Jesus knew that the man's real need and what his greatest need was, was a spiritual healing. Now, Jesus could take care of the physical need with no issue whatsoever. But what good is it if the man has two legs to walk and he walks right into hell with those two legs? What he wanted him to do was walk straight into the gates of heaven, right? His spiritual need was his greatest need. And before he even concerned himself with his physical need, he took care of the man's spiritual need. See, many of us, we think our greatest need is some physical need that we have in our life. But what really we need is for God to work a miracle in our heart. We have a spiritual need. And I believe that's where Jesus wants to begin for many of us today. What spiritual need do you have? Let's bring that need to Jesus as well. Whatever the problem is, sin, our heart, always the biggest condition. Warren Wiersbe said this, forgiveness is the greatest miracle. I love it. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need, it costs the greatest price, and it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. Man, that's beautiful. Greatest need, costs the greatest price, and it brings the greatest blessing with the most lasting results. We give verse six. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, they didn't even say it out loud, thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, these scribes were experts in religious law. 
And they knew, according to Exodus and Psalms and the book of Daniel, these Old Testament books of the Bible, like these all proclaim that it's God who forgives sin. And so for Jesus to proclaim that your sins are forgiven, I'm the one forgiving you your sin, to them that was blasphemy and it was a, an offense punishable by death. And so that was a big thing that Jesus was saying here. Verse 8 says, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Love that. They didn't even say it out loud, but he knew what they were thinking. And so he turns to them and he asks, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Pick up. Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praising God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. I love it. Jesus says, hey, you don't think I have the power to forgive sins? Not only can I do that, I can also heal him physically. And so Jesus does both. That man walked out with two miracles. What a beautiful scene. And I love the result. They were all amazed and praising God. And they were saying, we've never seen anything like this before. You know what my deepest desire is for our church? What my deepest desire is for you as your pastor is to see God move in your life in such a dramatic way that your friends and your family and your classmates and your co-workers, that they look at you and they stand amazed at what God is doing in your life. And that they would look at the miracle that God is performing in you, even now, and proclaim, I've never seen anything like this before. Man, I love it that as we see God move in our life, that we just become a reflection of who Jesus is. And when they look at us, we just point them to Him to let them see how good God is and how much He can be trusted with the circumstances and things that we face in our life. Now, there are several characters in this story. Let's see who you identify with most. There's a man who needed healing. Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. Maybe you're watching this today and more than anything in your life, what you need is a spiritual healing. You need to be saved. You need to say yes to Jesus. You know, the Bible says that if you confess your sins, that he's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive you of your sins and even cleanse you from unrighteousness. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, that he is Lord, that he is Savior, that you can experience eternity rejoicing around the throne of God. And so I pray that today, even now, that you would just cry out to Jesus and say, I'm a sinner and I need your grace. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and set me free. And give your life to Jesus, the greatest decision that you will ever make. And today, today is the day of salvation. Today you can see that spiritual miracle in your life. Jesus knew that this man needed something more than a physician or, or a physical therapist. Those are all good. Those are important. I have friends who are those things. They're wonderful. Great service to our community. But Jesus recognized more than those things, he needed a Savior. You need a Savior. We also see in this story four friends who were committed to being the bridge to this man's healing. 
You know, geography-wise, this guy was so close to Jesus. As we study people in this time period, not many people traveled more than even 30 miles from their home throughout the course of their entire life. He was so close to Jesus, but without their help, he may have been a million miles away from that miracle. The only way he was getting to Jesus was by them bringing him to him. You know, I don't think those four guys had any idea what God had in store for him. God did more for their friend in a split second than they could have ever done for him in a lifetime. They just had to take the opportunity to bring him to where Jesus is. Let's be committed to do whatever it takes to pastor our city, find broken and hurting people and do whatever we can to get them to the feet of Jesus. And he'll do the rest. And then finally, we see in this group of people, the crowd, the crowd, they get ignored in this story. But let's look at them for a second. No one offered to move out of the way. Like as they tried to get this man to Jesus, they had to go up on the roof for a reason. That wasn't the original plan, I'm sure. But the crowd wouldn't get out of the way. They weren't evil. They had gathered to see Jesus. They were just unaware of the people's needs around them. So what did they do? They actually blocked this man from receiving his healing. Now, those are two different groups, right? A group of friends that did everything they could to get him to Jesus. And then a group of people that were there to listen to what Jesus had to say. Maybe they had already committed to following Jesus. Yet instead of being a part of the solution, they became a part of the problem. They got in the way of this man's healing. Let's make sure that we as followers of Jesus and that we're living our lives with integrity and we're leading with love and we're a catalyst of change, part of the solution and are never a part of the problem. Let's not get in the way of somebody finding Jesus. I love what one author writes. One of the reasons that God calls us into tight-knit groups of friends is because most of us are not self-aware enough to see the areas of our life that need attention. We tend to accentuate all of the good we see in ourselves and avoid our unbecoming traits or attitudes. Vulnerable, transparent, restorative community is not an option if we're going to experience true resurrection. That's hard. It's hard being vulnerable. It's hard to trust others enough to let them see the weaknesses in our life. But think about it. This is an example of one person bringing the gospel to another within the context of a relationship. What does that sound like to you? Sounds like a core value of North Park Church to me. Life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. You know, we all have our reasons for coming back to Jesus. Some of us, we come back to Jesus because we have a problem. Some of us come back to Jesus because we're looking for a little boost because things are just kind of low and not exactly finding the fulfillment that we need. But I want you to know, Jesus wants to do more than just give you a little boost. He wants to do more than just kind of put you back on the path to your successful best life now. He wants to do more than even perform the miracle that you need physically in your life. What he wants is an intimate relationship with you. 
He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And all you have to do is call on his name and say yes to him. Let's pray. I want to give you an opportunity to do that even now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are a God who wants to save us, that you want a relationship with us, that you want to be the most important part of our life. Lord, you don't want to just give us the ability to walk. Lord, you want to walk the journey with us. And I pray that as we call on your name today, as we invite you to be our Lord and Savior, as we confess our sins, that we would know you were faithful and you were just and you forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And I pray that today as there's some people watching this or listening to a podcast, as they just pray that prayer in their heart, the Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing because of that, because it's the best decision that they could possibly make. Lord, we as a church exist to see lifelong followers of Jesus. God, there's no greater reason to celebrate than that miracle. And Lord, we celebrate it today as people are saying yes to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for our online worship experience. If this is your first experience, why don't you hit that digital connect card at northparkrdu.com. We just want to put some information in your hands and get to know more about you. In fact, one way that we can invest in your life is by praying some bold prayers over you and your family. So if you have a need, why don't you hit that prayer request button as well? We would be honored to pray for you. And finally, if you'd like to make an investment to build lifelong followers of Jesus, hit that online giving button at northparkrdu.com. Again, we want to thank you for your generosity. The way that you love our city is amazing. And we thank you for making a commitment to pastor your city. We love you guys, and we are cheering you on.